Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Another Friday night. Another Tech Vibe Radio. The end of May. Good Lord, Audrey. I know we were just talking about a pile of books mm-hmm. that you've been reading, and it blows my mind. Like, I wish I could read a quarter as much as you read. Well, I have to. How do you pay, you know, yeah. like in my work, from my role, right. I feel like I have to know a lot yeah, about what's happening around the world. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, sometimes when you're in leadership roles, not everyone wants to talk to you about stuff. You know? Good point. And I need perspective. And I, I also know that you're probably one of the most curious people that I know. Like, everything you... you you see stuff and you want to learn more. You want to I learn do. More. You I want, want to learn, learn more. more. I've always been and like so that. And so you were just showing me some pictures of some books that are like on your on your bedside, like two piles. Both sides, yeah. And it's very, it's a crazy, it's a cool list. I'm sure any any book nerd out there would be like, oh my. Like, but we, then on top of that, I'm always playing like 10 games of competitive Scrabble. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> so I, don't, I can't keep up with you. <laughs> but what I love is that you're bringing stuff and we've been kind of picking some stuff that you've been reading and we've been using it as part of our show. Because I think a lot of it's very applicable. Yeah, it's to what's so going interesting. In well, of course, I'm going to gravitate to have a stack of books around "quote unquote" urban innovation, economic development, yeah. um, creativity, etc. I'm going to gravitate to understand what people are, are writing about, and you know, I'm going to have a cynical eye on some of it, and some of it is you know, academic leaders from MIT that have right. done research and. You know, like jumpstarting America. I'm reading that right now, from cover to cover, trying to see where Pittsburgh is. They're they're bullish on Pittsburgh. Yeah. So it's interesting, and 50 other cities. But it's, really talking right. about, talk about Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm always fascinated in terms of what people. Everyone's always looking for the silver bullet. I mean, isn't that humankind? Everyone's so. looking for the silver bullet. What's going to change this? Exactly. Okay, we're not going to benchmark ourselves with Silicon Valley, but instead we're going to look at the heartland and understand what are the variables in the heartland, et cetera. And then invariably I will read something about the demise of the heartland, you know, (laughs) the fact that urban core is highly educated now and suburbs are becoming, um, well, urban core is not only just highly educated, become very um, homogenous and that there's a whole movement towards um, urban being elitist and then now our right, right, our right. suburban neighborhoods and our exurban neighborhoods are become more diversified. So it's just a fascinating. It's always fascinating to me to see the shift of movement of people, mm-hmm. et cetera. So of course, in the work that you and I do, Jonathan at the Tech Council, you know, I'm interested in how to grow. Our work is all about growth. Exactly. That is the focus of our work that is the underpinning of everything that we do and not just growth but smart growth like the type of but it is yeah. growth mm-hmm. i mean yeah we'd like it to be smart growth but it's growth and so the question is you know how do we get more people here how do we get the right people to work to build the right companies etc cetera, etc cetera? how do we build our tax base how do we make sure that we're not leaving people behind and we become a city like seattle it's a little numb 
to you know some of the perils that was a good word of prosperity yeah. prosperity absolutely and uh so i'm always interested in reading those yeah. kinds of things and you, but you had this one book it was called was it loon loon shot by yeah. Sophie bacall right yeah yeah and that's i can't really talk about that yet because i'm really at the beginning okay of it, but he's okay. a physicist right and uh he is trying to get really be a physicist essentially in terms of understanding how to build in, uh, innovation, how to crazy ideas, how do crazy ideas become real? How do you punch through when you're the craziest person in the room and you think you have the most amazing idea? Right, right, right. What is it that makes that successful? How does that work? When does it not work? And so he takes a very interesting pathways thinking about is it culture? Is it big companies? Is it entrepreneurship? So it's too early for me to comment on that, but it's got me, it always gets me thinking right. about what no. the magic is. You know, we, we all are what? looking for the bullet. I mean, exactly. we're looking right. for the silver bullet and we're looking for a way to have a path so that we can create this kind of known linear project, uh, trajectory on getting us to this, this quote unquote prosperity. So I guess maybe it's the idea that there's no one linear trajectory. Well, there isn't. I mean, Pittsburgh's story, like I told, you know, earlier today, I had a chance to talk to uh, a bunch of people who were from the um, from the Netherlands. And they were here in Pittsburgh trying to do just some benchmarking and peel back the story a little bit about what's happening here. And, you know, I just said we're a 40 year overnight success. I mean, that's really what it yeah, is. That's exactly it's right. For right. almost yeah. 40 years. When you told them that, did their eyes Yeah, go in you know, so directions? this is, a, and this is, and we're not at a success. We have to go through almost like a whole cleansing of a whole generation. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, we might, so is it true that the work that we've been doing mattered? Or is it true that maybe a je- just time had to heal it? It could be a combination. Right? Is yeah, it, we all no, like that's... to say, well, we, you know, contributed this yeah. much. Right, right, we right. did this much. And you're like, well, yeah. wait a second. Time waits for no one. That's and, a, you know, yeah. the life continues to go on. So what would have happened? How do we know what percolated? Yeah, how do we know how that do we know what certain traction? actions actually Like if you look something. in the tech world, we haven't had any IPOs. And so then you compare ourselves to like Utah, which is a more sparsely – you know, populated and more homogenous state. They're kicking our butts. Seven. They're kicking our butts. Yeah. They're... So, if you, if that's one metric, right? That's one. That's just one metric. That's a capitalistic metric. I get that. But the question is, what what are the variables, and what is it that's making it work or not work or or whatever? No one really knows. It's it's all hindsight at this point. That's a really good point. It's really all hindsight. And it's knowing, just historical. So I love that idea. So knowing that, then how do you really then begin to focus looking forward? Exactly. Right? Like, I think I know what some of the variables are, but some of those variables are things that you and I and thousands of us don't have impact on, right? I mean, we have guests on that talk about immigration reform. We have one today. We have right. Joel Pfeffer and stopping so by we, from Iron Right. So immigration reform. So everyone knows that you can't let smart people leave and that you need... To hire people who are highly skilled. Gives many to come in. in. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I could tell you that that matters and that and as a result of us not having um, sort of the rapid growth of, of people who are foreign born become citizens here has probably hurt us. I think so. 
slugged, uh, sluggish yeah, in some sluggish I th- fashion. I, th- I think we've missed tremendous numbers of opportunities for people that could not be in Pittsburgh to build their company or to work for a company. Right. Yeah. But, you know, there might maybe, maybe slow growth is the secret to our success. Well, I think you could say that as well. If you look at how, you know, every year when we announce our state of the industry data, we're up a 2% here, 1% there. Right. It's Even not though staggering. the population slips, we're right. still. We still grow a little bit, right. but over 40 years, the right. overnight 40 year success story, we've built right. a, a very solid foundation. Right. It may not be the sexiest of foundations and right. like the woo wah, but. but we're, we're, Compound yeah. that with social media, which equals sexy and fast. Exactly. It's conflicting. It's craziness. That's why I think it's fun to kind of nerd out on that a little bit. And we've got some great guests. Like we said, we have Jill Pfeffer from Meyer, Unkovic, and Scott stopping by to talk about immigration and immigration reform. We also have Adam Menzies from CGI. He is leading up their uh, their emerging practices over there. And, of course, we have Julia Pepping and Brenda uh, Brenda Vatters, mm-hmm. Vester, excuse me, Vester. I'm saying Vatter, Vester. I'm looking at my notes all wrong here. Really important study about how you know, getting women in the tech workplace engaged and, and, and mobilized, which I think is really exciting stuff. So we've got a lot coming our way here on Tech Vibe right. Radio. Always good hanging out with you, Audrey. We're taking a quick yeah. break. We're coming right back. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn, about the, learn more about the Tech Council at pghtech.org. So you know what, Audrey? CGI is like growing like crazy Pittsburgh. I know, it's really pretty amazing. They Doing some cool work. They actually did an acquisition of Suma. I know. Who had been around for quite a while and uh, had deep technical prowess in supporting lots of companies nationally and regionally and locally. And so uh, it's sort of stoked to have Adam Menzies in from CGI, who's now heading up new emergent new emerging technologies practice. Yeah, thanks and for having so me. Thanks for being here. Good stuff. And so let's talk about what does that mean? Everyone says they have something new and emerging. Yeah, uh, emerging or digital transformation or some other right. cliche buzzword, right? Um, so for us, I think uh, on the CGI side, we see digital transformation and, and innovation from a pragmatic sense. Um, we could certainly be way out on the bleeding edge, but our customers, we try to innovate in ways that they can make something real. Uh, in short term. They can see the actual results. Yeah, exactly. Saving money soon, creating efficiencies mm-hmm. quickly. Right. Yeah, Understand, like learn quickly, uh, and then continue to innovate on top of that. So so give some examples. Yeah. So I think when we look at, um, there's things around, you know, we, we have practices around blockchain, uh, design thinking, machine learning, you know, the, there's a lot of ways you could go way out on the edge. But the reality is for most of our customers, um, there's a ton of low-hanging fruit that's still there, especially on the machine learning, AI side, uh, just using the basics of that for robotic process automation. Or, so if uh, someone's listening right now, they might yeah. not be like you and I who understand all of this. Sure. So break it down a little bit. So I think when we look at uh, decision-making that's done by folks, let's say, in a call center or a customer support, Okay. there are a lot of... Uh, automation or next best actions that we could be taking. So the simple things of suggesting solutions to a call center agent as they're working on a case. So uh, eliminating redundancy or call times, Mm -hmm. um, eliminating post-call activities that happen. Um, Very low-hanging fruit from an artificial intelligence side, but starting to learn uh, the machines learning, kind of what actions humans take that are repeatable so you can reduce the time and effort to do that. 
and increase customer uh, satisfaction. So yeah, you're not, uh, not giving your phone number five times. Over right. On, I'm on always the, amazed when I call and I give my phone number and I'm like, wow, that machine actually captured it. I usually people couldn't. Yeah, where do you me. go next up? <laughs> on the other end of that, I think there's really interesting things that we're doing farther out where for a pest control company in the south, we're doing analysis of multi uh, weather data inputs along Whoa. with customer and social activity and how to predict uh, termite outbreaks. What? And what? what about oh, the cool. um, cicada outbreak that's coming up? Yeah, it could be similar to that. Um, yeah. what we focus there. First time in 17 years? Yeah. It's so on that it's, cycle for them. If, they, you, yeah. if you take in a lot of data sources around weather, moisture, um, pollen, uh, and then social activity and human communication and right. start to be able to predict – we found that within a few months, we were able to predict with 85-plus oh, cool. percent accuracy a termite outbreak two to three weeks in advance. No way. So they so can now, gear up on the extra termite. <laughs> right. So now you can start to target marketing in advance. Right. So you start to get marketing at your house That's or so on cool. social inside really? a certain I don't want to know that. <laughs> well, it's better to know termites are coming soon than know uh, two or three weeks after wow, the termites like are here. Movie. Yeah, when your porch right? caves. <laughs> exactly, right. So so we think that's more kind of, I don't want to say bleeding edge, but it's out there a little bit more that's, of what can be done I think with that's that pretty data. bleeding edge, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm thinking that's pretty cool stuff where you can monitor all those disparate things and bring well, it into. That's an interesting problem. Yeah. So yeah. There, there are a lot of small companies that could benefit from this. It's right. not just big company. And if you can take repeatable models around that and start to use it for other companies and maybe some companies are helping build the models and then smaller companies are able to take advantage of kind of what those larger companies have learned in the market, I think that's where you get to more pragmatic innovation rather than having companies kind of put all their chips on a big risk trying to see exactly. something worse right. in the market. Actually doing some things right. are going to make a difference, but you're not like putting all your chips into it. But. Yeah, and I think that's where the advantage of working with someone like CGI. So we're... 75,000-plus consultants globally. Um, I forgot how big you guys are. You guys have a presence. And it was so cool watching you guys build up here in Pittsburgh with, with the SUMA acquisition. It was like you really made your presence in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's so so cool. And that's, that is the CGI model. So um, I come from a background of other big four consultancies. We've worked in boutiques. Okay. CGI, to me, after being inside the organization for two years, is, is a good mix of those two things, where we have 75,000 people globally. But the business model really is to go to market locally. So Take all that horsepower that's up there and be able to localize Exactly. It yeah, so to, if you're a people. customer in a metro like Pittsburgh, and we have 37 metros in the U.S. that we focus on. That's crazy. Most of the consultants you work with should be from Pittsburgh. So we have over 400 people here in the region. Um, that's 400 in the Pittsburgh yeah, area. So, and, oh and that's, you know, and that's not counting yeah. Eastern Ohio where we have a yeah. development center. And but you guys talk to each other, so you have – expertise around the world, 37,000 or so, but other experts that you can tap into as problems arise. Yeah. So if you're a customer in Pittsburgh, your account team, your delivery consultants, your strategists all should be, or the majority of them should be located in Pittsburgh. Groups like I lead then come in from a national or our peer network of practices around the world can bring in expertise. Uh, We just did a smart city day in San Diego where we brought in uh, video analytics, AR experts from Europe, from our practices to that city to, to have, we had HoloLenses and looking at ways to do wow. 311 service and other things in different ways from uh, augmented reality and virtual reality, 
you know, along with AI. So we can bring those experts from around the world, both on an industry or a tech space, to a specific problem in a, in a metro market. But then you still get the same that boutique service yeah. level that you would get because the way we talk about it, you know, the person who's responsible for delivering success, you're going to see them at the grocery store. You know, you're going to see them at your kid's ball game. They're, they're local here You see me, John Eagle, my AI project's looking great. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but Adam, what's your background? Yeah, so my background, uh, I started doing um, about 10 years of Java app development, uh, desktop web mm. development. Um, personally, at, at Suma, we had made two acquisitions right around the 2010 timeframe, one for a, a local design right. thinking remember, firm, remember um, and then one for a small firm that did Salesforce. And at the time, both. when yeah. we did that, Harvest I- Harvest Gold, I remember. That's right. Exactly. exactly. See, yeah. I know these Absolutely. things. Yeah. Right. And the principals of that firm are still with us yeah, at CGI exactly. right now in, in the Salesforce group. So when that happened, I moved over to focus on Salesforce- uh, and have been mostly focused in the platform as a service or design thinking space for almost ten years, uh, and that's kind of and that's a big part of what I, I lead at, at CGI. So you get to have a lot of fun at the end of the day. You got that it local, is a good time. you got the local presence. You got the horsepower of CGI behind right. you, solving some really complex stuff. I mean, that whole termite example is just kind of. I just think that's so cool, man. Right. That that that's awesome. So are you a native Pittsburgher? I am. Yeah, born and raised in in Pittsburgh. Went to Pitt. Cool. Uh, stayed in the region. Yes, Pitt. Do you get to travel a little bit with CGI? I travel all over, uh, mostly the U.S., but it, it's a good spot. I get to see a lot of innovation happening at our do larger you, customers around the country. What do you think about what's happening in Pittsburgh right now? Uh, I think it's pretty tremendous. I, I talk to people from around the country, and they either agree with that or they are surprised when they get here. At, wow, this is! I was here 10 years ago, and, and what it is they now. They see the difference. And, and they're so right. impressed with, with what we're building you're like, here. CGI is here for a reason. Cause yeah. Thank tons you for of being a good ambassador. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And people learn more about as much talent back as we can, right? And if people learn more about CGI with CGI.com, of course. Yeah, I absolutely. CGI.com yeah. uh, would be a good way. And through that, you can tunnel in and kind of see what's going on on the Pittsburgh side of things absolutely with your downtown you have some off awesome office space downtown we do well, we have a great office space it. right downtown uh, in the old alcoa headquarters so we'd love to have uh, people come down and yeah. see the space it's great guys Thank are you so much yeah. for taking the time to be with yeah. us absolutely making pittsburgh proud great right. great stuff hey we're taking a quick break we're coming back with more tech vibe radio so much more coming on what a great way to kick off the show audrey too much fun hey learn more about the tech council by going to pghtech.org Follow us on Twitter at PGH Tech. This is Jonathan Christing. This is Audrey Russo. So, Audrey, you're going to be very excited about this segment because this is near and dear it is. to your heart and everything like that. When it comes to all things, getting as much international presence in Pittsburgh, getting as many foreign-born people into Pittsburgh, just as much talent into Pittsburgh, and it all comes with, with mm -hmm. immigration. And I know this is a thing. So I'm going to let you we like, take take the control yeah we have an man. expert you, in the house do, that yeah. we're gonna do a quick deep dive with and uh he's been doing this work for a while so i am pleased to tell you who's in the house i'm joel pfeffer i'm a partner at meyer unka vick and scott law firm in downtown pittsburgh and i'm pleased to be here audrey uh, it's great we are we are going you've been there and doing work in law for quite a while, right? I've been there for over 30 years. That's really? Yes. And you have, how would you describe your expertise? What's well, your niche? Well, I, I do a lot of business immigration, uh, bringing uh, foreign talent to the United States, assisting companies who need foreign talent right. to bring them to the United States, either temporarily or on a permanent basis. 
And so given the backdrop over the last decade in terms of immigration uh, reform and the changes in immigration law or the lack of changes, whatever, I mean, I want you to give us your perspective here. What, you know, we in Pittsburgh have some of the best and brightest people who come to school here, come to learn, um, get plugged into the community, sitting next to people who are doing amazing things in terms of intellectual property that could change lives and change the world. They want to stay. They very often want to stay, and very often they're not from, you know, the U.S. Okay. Um, There's several steps that they typically take to stay in the United States. A student will um, apply for optional practical training. That is a period of one to three years, depending on their uh, degree. Uh, and the employer that they would work for in a period of training after graduation. Uh, They could seek to get an H-1B visa, which is a visa for professionals filling professional positions, being paid the prevailing wage, which they can remain here for up to six years. And during that time, they would typically seek to establish that there is no U.S. worker available uh, to fill their position, or they could establish that they are of outstanding ability they are in the national interest. Uh, they are filling a research position in a company that needs them mm-hmm. and needs them because of their track record in uh, having um, uh, made a valuable contribution to a field of scientific endeavor. Uh, that leads to something called a green card or permanent resident status. And then sh- several years later, they can apply for U.S. citizenship. That's the path they typically take. Mm-hmm. That's a long path, too. Like, that is... Is it a long path? Quite the- that is a very long path, and particularly if you are from India or China. Right. Because we have a quota system in the United ah, States. okay. We only allow in 140,000 people who are in the employment-based immigration categories. So, <clears throat> putting aside family-based, um, you are... In the, the cases we're talking... The situations we're talking about, we only allow 140,000. No country can get more than approximately 7% of that number. India is a very large country. It has sent us some very highly talented people. And there are many people from India who have gone through the process I've described and are seeking to remain here but must wait for their turn because there is a big line of people from India having Mm -hmm. already exhausted that small percentage of the 140,000 over several years and looking forward People who are starting now could wait up to 10 years uh, to become uh, permanent residents of the United States. So um, that's really one of our problems here in the United States uh, when it comes to uh, seeking foreign talent. Uh, China is another country that has a backlog, although not as serious as India. But the numerical limitation, the quota on uh, on labor, on skilled labor or unskilled labor, uh, is something that is preventing people from remaining here. Uh, during that wait time, they could continue in H-1B status, um, but most people would like to have their situation resolved quicker than 10 years. Mm-hmm. I would think so. <laughs> That's a long time to wait. And it's a long time for a <coughs> excuse me for a company to be waiting. That is correct. That's a good um, point. There's a yeah. long time for a company to wait for talent, and perhaps what is even um, more difficult for companies is not knowing whether you can get into the pool, for example, of H-1Bs. Okay. H-1Bs are subject to their own numerical limitation called a cap, which means we only allow in 
85000 each year uh, of professionals filling professional positions, being paid prevailing wage, 85,000 new such individuals typically coming out of school or coming off the optional practical training program I discussed a moment ago. And there's a lottery or a, a computer-aided selection process that the um, – Computer-aided selection. Yes, not aided. Computer selection process. It's, it's all by CSP, computer. right? It's yes, CSP. computer selection process that selects the 85,000, 65,000 regular honest-to-goodness college graduates or people with equivalent – experience to equate to a college degree, and an additional 20,000 who have U.S. master's degrees. The government conducts this lottery every year during the first business week of April, and um, that's going on right now. And attorneys and and employers are waiting to see who made the cut and who didn't. Is it favored by the coasts or anything to that effect? No, it's all all? a national lottery. Okay. Um, There are two service centers that accept petitions, one in the east, one in the west, uh, but they it's all a national lottery. So what hopes do we have? Well, um, you know, the, there's been talk over the years about uh, comprehensive immigration reform. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I remember that in the Obama administration. Yes, right? and in the Bush administration. Right. President Bush tried very hard try. to, do, to, in the, to get comprehensive mm-hmm. immigration reform passed. But in order to get comprehensive immigration reform passed, there are going to be five issues on the table. Okay, what are they? Um, well, the one that we just talked about, uh, employment-based quotas. How many quotas, how many employment-based permanent residents are we going to admit each year? How many do we need? Um, there there hasn't been a change in this since 1986. In the number? In the number. Oh my the number wow. hasn't changed since 1986. Um, and, and there needs to be an evaluation of how many we need every year and whether there should be a per-country limitation. Should there be, you know, India can only get a certain percentage mm-hmm. and back their people up uh, 10 or shorter periods of times for other for different in whatever category they're in. Um, that's one issue that's going to be that's going to have to be addressed. Um, another one is the H-1B situation or what I'll call the guest worker programs. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a guest worker. H-1B is really a professional guest worker program. Right. We have non-professional guest worker programs called H-2B. Both of those have quotas. Uh, limitations, um, time periods in which you can apply, very complicated process, um, not certain that you'll get it. Um, there needs to be, you know, what can we do better to to stimulate business in the United States, to simu- stimulate innovation? These professionals uh, are necessary for that process, and we need to... Well, they come here to get educated. They come here to get educated, and there are a certain segments of the political... Uh, population that wants them to return and others want them to stay. And that's something that the uh, that, that politically will have to be right. resolved in comprehensive so, immigration Joel, reform. Joel, is it possible for that person um, who can't get the H-1B, if they go back to their country, could still be employed by the company and work with telepresence? Or is that uh, yes, breaking the rules? They can be employed abroad. The Our, our laws only control who works here. Inside the borders. Inside right. the borders. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let me just cover the other three yeah, issues please, that I yeah. think have to be covered. Amnesty, the big one. Right. You know, what happens to all the people who are illegal? Is there a path to right. green card or permanent resident or citizenship? Um, uh, family-based immigration, will uh, U.S. citizens still be able to bring parents right. from abroad without any numerical limitation? Is that allowed now still? It's allowed for adult citizens. 
the, 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 whether it, you can't just have a child here and then become legal by your child bringing you. That's right. a myth. Right. Person, the child ah, has to be okay. 21. Ah, right. Okay, right. so it's allowed. Interesting. Okay. But I would say that in comprehensive immigration reform, that's going to be on the table. table. Right. Bringing brothers and sisters is going to be on the table. And the fifth thing that I think will be on the table is e-verify. Companies that will have to e-verify is a program right now. It's voluntary that uh, requires employers to verify work status for new employees. Uh, The Bush administration tried very hard to make it mandatory, um, but I think that will be on the table in in a discussion about comprehensive immigration reform. So what, what what changed over the last 30 years? In terms of immigration, I mean, at one point we were letting lots of people into into our country, right? That didn't, it wasn't job related. What, um, what was the shift? Was the shift after World War II? Was the shift, you know, just to understand some of the trends that have happened? I would say the shift has become uh, the need for higher skilled or professional level. Um, the 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 technology world needs more people. There are there are. That's there all we hear. Yep. Technologies being addressed, being developed abroad, and we need to bring them here. Thirty, forty years ago, we needed we needed unskilled labor. Fifty years ago, we needed unskilled labor. Okay. Now, now it's the skilled we need labor, skilled which labor, makes and and that's become a challenge when the numbers don't adjust. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we got about a minute or so left. I mean. What would be your one big wish that we if something could be reformed first for to help Pittsburgh, help our companies get the talent they need, help us become more vibrant? What would uh, be your big wish? My big wish would be that um, the uh, H-1B program might be divided into different kinds of companies. Uh, that, interesting, you know, right? A company that engaged in, in innovation or technology might have a separate set of stat- mm. numbers available to them. Mm. Um there's also green cards available for highly skilled, exceptional ability, outstanding professors, professors and researchers, people who can uh, research for companies and people who can do work for companies engaged in research, um, and perhaps expanding those numerical limitations. Very cool. Joel Peffer. It has Pfeffer. been great. Yeah, thanks for Thank stopping by. Thank you so yeah. much. My pleasure. And they can find you on the Meyer Unkovic website, right? Yes, muslaw.com. Just that simple. Joel, thank you for That's stopping great. by and thank talking you for about your- this for your leadership in this as well. Thank you. We're taking, a quick, we're taking a quick break. We're coming back with more Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsten. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about the Tech Council at pghtech.org. Audrey, I'd like to save the best for last. Mm. Yeah. Got some yeah. important stuff to talk yeah. about. Like, I'm excited that we have a little more time with our longest segment of the show to stretch out and talk a little bit about what's going on here. So we've got some important guests with us. We need some introductions here, Julie. Let's start okay. with you. You're no um, stranger to the show. You've been on yeah, Tech Vibe before. Yeah. It was four years ago, believe it or not. Was it that long? Really? No oh way. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was. Oh, wow. my um, gosh. I didn't do the second year. I think you had some other Oh, that's what it was. Right. right. Yeah. So I'm Julia Pepping, and um, in addition to being an independent IT consultant, yes. um, I'm very active in Red Chair Pittsburgh, which is a network of women and men who advocate for gender balance in the technology professions in We Pittsburgh. love your work. Very Thank good you. stuff. Yeah. We need more of it. And we have, of course, we have Brenda here. Yes, hello. So, Brenda, what's your background? Oh, okay, what sorry. do you do? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice, Brenda. <laughs> what are you doing oh, here, Brenda? It. We're glad you're here. <laughs> We're glad you're uh, here. Yeah, yeah. I'm Brenda Buster. Um, I'm a partner with Thrive, and uh, Thrive is a software company. We um, we host uh, digital conversations, and... Uh, we're able to measure those conversations through uh, cognitive it's the re- cognitive technology that's built in. Super, really cool technology. Yeah. 
Thrive has been on the show before talking about what you guys do. That's correct. Past, you talked so. to uh, one of our co-founders, Dan Stafira. I know Dan. Oh, that's Absolutely. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, Southside guys. That's man. right. Oh, that's yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a study, right? Mm-hmm. We're jump in and yep. talk about a yes. study. So um, Brenda and I met, I'd say, well, last summer maybe. Um, just sat down for a meet and greet. Got to meet this person. And we started talking. We were talking about Red Chair Pittsburgh. And I was sort of bemoaning the fact that we really want to have data to operate on because that's the world that she operates in. And it's like, I wish we had something that would help us determine rather than just anecdotes what we should do next, what's important in Pittsburgh for women in tech. And uh, she suggested a study. I'll let her tell you about it. Um, of course, I jumped in. No, I, yeah, I'm thrilled to have the <laughs> chance to, to work with Red Chair in that community. And um, you know what we find with big data, right? Everybody wants to make decisions based on data. And sometimes that, that larger data isn't um, applicable to certain populations. So we thought, well, let's go and have a uh, – we decided to have a 12-week conversation with the Red Chair Pittsburgh group specifically. So it was a voluntary study. Opt-in. Uh, yeah, they opted in. And Sounds like a big undertaking. It's a lot of folks. You know, our cognitive scientist, uh, Jay-Z, would agree with you. After I committed to doing that, I said – Brenda, sure. <laughs> it's not only did we do the, the digital conversation for 12 weeks, but underneath that, we measured three key behaviors so, or three key um, areas, uh, self-efficacy, which is confidence, uh, inclusivity, and positivity. So all of those things are correlated with, um, you know, other studies and, and what would they say, um, you know, women aren't confident. So is that yeah. really true? That seems like a really broad statement. Or is that pretty true broad. for yes. women in that the Pittsburgh That sounds like a terrible thing to say. <laughs> right. That's yeah. exactly right. Or is it true for the women in Pittsburgh technology? We want to look specifically at what's unique about Us. our population. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Are we really different? Bring right. it down I guess here. it doesn't matter yes. if we're different because we're focused on, on serving that community. Right. That's right. right. That's okay. right. So we went through that study and found out some, some really interesting correlations. Um, but... Talk about the, how the study's designed. I don't know if, because I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, tell us. Right. Very light it's not touch. a study that is um, traditional. So the Thrive, basically we use what's called um, ecological momentary assessment. So the technology itself is cloud-based and is, you know, you, a link is sent to somebody's phone in a text message. They open that up and in 60 seconds answer a few questions in a conversation. About how way. you're feeling then, right? Right. Just, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, how you doing, Brenda? It it's very conversational. In. How's it going? So it doesn't feel like you're being studied. Um, but what we wanted to capture was, you know, <laughs> kind of like how I'm you're feeling <laughs> in the moment. You know, ecological momentary assessment is really capturing the data when it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, as humans, we're not very good at remembering what, you know, if I right. asked you two weeks ago, how are you feeling on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. Okay. So, right. and if I asked you, in the future, you may not know how things, you know, um, might impact you then. So we capture it in the moment. Then we can look at that collectively over time and say, oh, well, here's kind of what's happening. So we looked at a lot of things, and we still have more to, to bring out. But, you know, when we looked at inclusion, right, mm-hmm. do people, do, do women feel included? Um, and we found a correlation between um, higher levels of positivity and higher levels of confidence if women had both of those, they felt more included, right? So we're still, you know, yeah. we don't, okay. you know, that's one thing to say, okay, if we can focus on those things. So Julie is looking at what do they do for the red chair group and, you know, how do we actually take action from some of that information? Um, so that was one of them. But I think the other one we, we really are interested in too is, um, 
you know, you we have if you have uh, three to five people in your support network, and that's a work network. We were just talking mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. work right. related, um, work related network, work right? Cohort, doesn't yeah. count as my mom. Doesn't count hey, as your my mom. dad counts. Okay, <laughs> he was my he was my mentor all through my whole life. Then he counts. Yeah. Okay. So if they understand what you what work you're doing, so if you and have right. that and, and can get a perspective on it. Right. You probably have higher levels of confidence. So we need to unpack this a little bit more. But this, you know, we just got the end of the study mm-hmm. in March. And um, so this is still very fresh in terms of looking at, um, you know, one of the things that Thrive captures as well is kind of those micro behaviors. So we ask mm. people today, yeah. what made you feel included? You know, because really inclusivity is, is something we're really trying to focus it's on. It's a in number culture. of little things that kind of add up to making you little feel like you're part of something. Behavior. Right. Yeah. And they're really, especially for things that happen with women it's really hard to identify, like, you know, I, I know I don't feel something's off, you know, but these little micro behaviors start to add up and make you feel that you're not included. So we're able to look at that. We have a lot of commentary that we're looking at, and, and we'll share more of that as, as time goes on. You know, some of those things that my whole goal is always to make it actionable. Right. Yeah. So, That's what I was going to ask. You. So, yeah. So a couple of things that we took from that is um, – one, Redshirt Pittsburgh has, for the past few years, offered leadership development scholarships mm-hmm. for mid-career women in tech. And uh, one of those scholarships is the Pittsburgh Technology right. Council mm-hmm. EDGE program. And um, what, what you come out of the EDGE program with and what I've heard from women when I ask them, you know, where are you now? How did it go? They still have that cohort of five or six people that they were teamed up with. It's stuck to with To kind of like yeah. say, yeah, support each other in your career. If you have questions, reach out, meet occasionally. So so that creates, even if you don't have that or you don't have friends that understand your work, you've got that cohort that's going to help you and, and kind of cheer you on and give you some courage to go forward. So you know um, what I've heard from, from the EDGE cohort? We're into our third now. What's really interesting is in each one of these classes, over 50% of the women have moved into new roles. Isn't that amazing? Or new jobs. That is such mm-hmm. a cool stat. And like, we're going to do yeah, a impact. little bit more of a qualitative study of it. Love it. Um, because I'm very focused on the outcomes, and it's a very different model than most people might say what is training and or what leadership. is learning. Mm-hmm. So I usually every cohort, there's usually one or two people that want to do an interview with me. They, you know, that's part of one right. of their assignments. Mm-hmm. And really what it boils down to for them, for me, mm-hmm. in terms of my little sample, is that the many, every person that I met has deep technical competencies. Like they're good at it. And so their boss or their superiors or their colleagues give them more to do because they know they're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And they can count on them. And as a result, their shoulders become wider and wider. And it, the likelihood of them being visionaries and in visionary time roles. time to speak their, what, their accomplishments. They're too busy working. Well, but they're also busy doing the things over and over again that people that rely on them, mm-hmm. that they're good at. Mm-hmm. And so what they see through this EDGE program is they lift their head up and go, wait a second. What am I really doing? Yep. And what do I really want? Well, I think it's the for, it's for women who are accomplished and mm-hmm. are just saying that seems to be the model, and they themselves are reinforcing it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the it's been really interesting for me to hear them hear them talk about this, and then at the same time not feel confident. I. I couldn't to agree lift more. their yeah. head. 
Yeah, yeah. Isn't that's that getting right? complex. And so that just yeah. blows my mind mm-hmm. because I'm like, if I look at your career to date, there's been nothing. There's actually, Success. I had yeah. a lot more failure in my life than what you did at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that the it's confidence that, thing is very tricky. Right. But, so know, I'm using that word maybe erroneously. Yeah. But, you know, and I don't want to be broad Courage. sweeping. Courage could be another word for it. I mean, I think I had a lot of um, advice in my career saying, be courageous. Like, don't be afraid of being shot down. And mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. some of that's just an institutional how you're raised. And that's something that Christy addresses very well. Mm-hmm. You know, being a good girl, not speaking out, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I did want to jump into a couple of other mentor things mm-hmm. that we're working on. Um, we have a student project that is actually the students are building a mentor connection piece onto our website. So people in the Red Chair Pittsburgh community can say, hey, I'm happy to mentor somebody. And somebody can say, nice. I'm happy to. You can to, match them up then. Yeah, to pair right. up where you have, you know, common things that you might want to work through. Instant result here, instant action. Exactly. Seeing that people need this, now providing a platform there for you people go. to connect. So when, when, will that, when will that be live? Um, the idea? students, <laughs> you know how that goes, student project. Um, it, it's going to be great. It finishes up in um, May, and then we're going to kind of go through a beta period. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So in the some, summer, maybe. Yeah, in during the summer. the summer, and then we'll um, launch it at our November event. Very cool. November 15th event. And people would find that through the Red Chair Pittsburgh site? Yep. Redchairpgh.org. Very and, cool. And I would just add on that. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that the study has done, and, and we call it a study, but we can do kind of a light you know, conversation that we host digitally to, to get you know, kind of that in-the-field information, which is very rare to be able to do through technology. So one of the things I think that um, we're seeing with that is the it's very specific to the people Julie is serving. So the first step in design thinking is empathize with your audience. And we can do that pretty quickly. So now Julie is, has really clear data, understanding of what the population needs, and um, is able to make decisions you know, that, that are impactful to that instead of these broad strokes that big data shows. And, and not to say that that's not important, right. mm-hmm. but right. whoever you're serving, that population matters. So. Absolutely. Exactly. So we've got just a little bit of time left. Yeah. I want to make sure people can actually read some of this because I think there's a, there's a great blog post on Thrive site. So mm-hmm. if you go to gothrive.io slash blog, you can find the uh, an inclusive Pittsburgh post there. And it kind of lays out a lot of this stuff so you can kind of sink into it. And yeah. get engaged and be, and be part of this. We just think it's so exciting that you're doing this work. It's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, no, this is like kind of some yeah. groundbreaking stuff, and we're so glad you're doing because this is what's mm-hmm. making Pittsburgh a better tech ecosystem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting right. more more women engaged, more men engaged, getting everybody all rowing the boat the same way. Exciting yeah. stuff. And the deadline for the scholarship, I want to get that plug in, yeah. is, mm-hmm. is June 15th. So Perfect. if somebody's interested, they can oh, okay. find the application at pgh.org. Perfect. June 15th awesome. deadline. We got it. Okay. We're all out of time. Another tech vibe wow, under the belt. I know. It's like a t- it's like a time machine. We'll be back next Friday here on KDK. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Rousseau. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.